Welcome back to the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen. I'm joined here with my good friend and former manager, Cody Reed. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to be going over uh, the past week's matchups uh, for the SSU men and women, as well as a bonus interview with Jake Biddle. Cody, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, just another week of Jack's basketball and enjoying, uh, you know, the non-conference season kind of winding down here. And we get mm-hmm. a have a good look at where both the men's and women's teams kind of stand at this maybe, you know, quarter of the way through the season, third of the way through the season point. And excited to kind of dive into uh, what that looks like with you. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, obviously, uh, men didn't have as many games this last week, just the Minnesota-Morris matchup. Um, women had a couple games as well. So a lot of uh, action to kind of recap, especially on the women's side. Uh, a couple exciting matchups for the men uh, to preview here in this next week. Um, I guess we'll kind of start there with the men because, uh, you know, there isn't a whole lot to talk about for past games. We'll just kind of make a note of it. Uh, they played Minnesota Morris, obviously a little bit lower level team. Uh, I believe all players that collected in the game scored. Um, STSU had, looks like seven guys in double figures, uh, two more that were just a basket outside of it. Um, and, uh, Fegan and Apple with six and four combined. So, uh, you know, a lot of obviously kind of what you expect, 112 to 47. Not, not really surprising there, which is probably a good thing. Uh, Noah Friedel did not start in this game, didn't play at all. Uh, believe probably just nursing the knee that's kind of been wrapped up. Hoping, guessing it's nothing serious. I'm guessing we'll see him, uh, you know, against Idaho. But uh, probably just, you know, a game just get him healthy. No need to get him out there and do anything to the knee. Uh, you know, the game kind of scheduled as one of those get right games in case uh, the non-conference kind of got away from him a little bit, but um, also a good game to get everybody involved before, you know, the road trip that is, you know, Idaho and Washington state that kind of finishes up with Missouri state. So I guess Cody with that Minnesota Morris game uh, in the game like that, what are you kind of expecting? You know, what's, what's kind of the goal with that kind of game? I think the Jacks did, you know, what the, the goal of that game is, and that's come home, have a nice game, you know, at home where you're comfortable, go through your routine on game day that it's going to be like at home, especially as you get into the conference season and, you know, show out for your fans, score over 100 points, really, you know, have no slip-ups against what is an inferior opponent, um, you know, because especially you don't want to have a game where you let a team like that play you or you don't want to play down to you know that team's level and be sloppy and just not disciplined so overall I think the Jacks really came out you know what that game's on the schedule for they put up a lot of points they didn't have very many turnovers you know they had some highlight plays but didn't really do anything to let Minnesota Morris be in that game you know from the tip nope and um obviously uh we kind of talked about the Prairie View game last week where they kind of, you know, let Prairie View sneak back in late. We kind of noticed out some other things. Obviously, in a game like that where you're up so big, there's, there's really no chance of that happening. We good to see, like, you know, they didn't let Minnesota corner run to end the game to maybe make it 60 to, you know, 112 or whatever. So, at least they finished well. Um, and like we said, you know, no major injuries coming out of it. So, that's always kind of the important thing. And, um, you know, they have this little bit bigger road trip we – kind of talked about uh, the, during our season preview, uh, non-conference preview, uh, where they go to Idaho first and then to Washington State uh, for a Wednesday, Thursday, and then they probably come home. Then they go to Missouri State. We'll talk about that next week. Um, but I guess with this Idaho and Washington State game, what are you kind of looking for in those uh, in that matchup? And briefly, just to touch on uh, the Minnesota-Morris game too, is it was good that we saw – all the players get in the game like that. And some people that haven't played as much, um, you know, had opportunity to score the ball quite a bit, play extended minutes. You know, we had Zeke, I think, tied his career high with 14. David Winget, who hadn't played a ton leading up to the Minnesota Morris game, had 18 points. So just good to get those guys on the floor in some action and uh, or in more action and then have them get some confidence back if they were lacking that. But going into this, this Idaho and Washington State, you know, West Coast road trip, I think you're looking at uh, 
what's hopefully a 2-0 trip. Um, the Jacks have a chance to go play at Idaho. Uh, I believe Idaho's in a new arena this year, uh, so I'm sure their, their fans will be excited because it's probably one of their first kind of home games against a higher quality opponent. Um, but they also are struggling a ton this year, and they're not a super solid squad. So that's a game that as the Rabbits go into, you hope that they can uh, win a true road game and kind of like they did down at Stephen F. Austin, except this is an even farther or even more inferior opponent. So um, you really hope they can win that. And then they have another chance to go knock off a Power 5 team from Washington. Uh, we saw that they tried to do that earlier this year at the Crossover Classic. You know, it wasn't one of their best showings of the year. They came out a little flat in that game. Um, but, you know, they're going to get another test against a team that's even, you know, better than Washington and Washington State. Mm -hmm. um, Washington State uh, is, I believe, 47th in Ken Palm right now. And they're picked to be kind of middle to top of the Pac-12, kind of a bubble um, team for the NCAA tournament. So it's a, a real good test. And if you can win those two games, I think, uh, you head into the conference season. Obviously, there's still one more non-conference game after that, but you head into the conference season pretty happy with uh, how you did. No, for sure. And, um, you know, actually, these two opponents did face each other earlier in the year. Um, Washington State came out on top, uh, 109 to, you know, 61. That was Washington State's biggest uh, out, output for offense. So that's, uh, you know, kind of interesting that they kind of matched up. And Idaho also... Uh, fell to North Dakota State. I'm forgetting the score. It was uh, 73 to 90. North Dakota State won, and uh, North Dakota State. You know, we'll kind of talk about this more next week when we get maybe more into the conference preview. Um, but North Dakota State offensively this year just hasn't hasn't been very sharp. So you know they're putting up 90 points against uh, Idaho. You kind of expect uh, SDSU to kind of be able to do that, if not more. Rocky Cruiser, you know, let them in scoring and rebounding uh, the double double of 21 points. So maybe look for a big game out of Doug and Matt, uh, you know, down low, see if they can kind of pull their way around. And then obviously you expect Noah and Baylor to kind of have some big games, uh, as you know, as they always do. But yeah, well, like you mentioned with Washington State, another Pac 12 team, another chance to kind of show, you know, what SDSU can do in the grand scheme of things. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch. I know, you know, they're kind of, they've already started up conference play a little bit. Um, and they've gone on a, you know, they've gone one and one to start uh, really ugly game against Arizona state where they won 51 to 29. Um, like that's. I, 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 I think 29 <laughs> points was like one of the lowest scores yeah. <laughs> for a team in like the past 10 years or something. Like it was, it was a wild stat uh, that yeah. I saw about that. I believe game. at like halftime, it was like, it was super low at halftime. It was uh, 18 to 10. So Washington State at least had a good second half of 33 points. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> maybe they're just really good defensively. I don't know. Uh, but then they lost to uh, USC 63 to 61. Uh, I don't know much about Washington State's roster, you know, their makeup or anything. Uh, but we'll see. You know, SCSU, they've been able to hang around with uh, the Power 5 teams before. I think the thing we've talked about that gives them the issues is usually the size, length, and speed that kind of comes with the Power Five. So we'll see if, um, you know, is Washington State, if they're as big and long. That seems like what the biggest issue is, always at least for the offense, uh, scoring and just getting confident with that length. Uh, and then, uh, you know, how, how good is their leading score? Uh, I believe it's this is Noah Williams, who's averaging about 13 and a half a game. You know, if he's a little bit quicker as a guard, that we've always said that kind of gives him a little bit of an issue. He is 6'5", so a little bit longer too. So maybe, uh, you know, a handful for Baylor because, uh, he, you know, he'll be the, probably the guard that matches up with him the most uh, considering he's 6'5". Uh, obviously, you expect easily to kind of get thrown in at him a little bit as well, but probably looks like more of a matchup for an Alex or a, a Baylor just with the length that's kind of coming with Noah uh, Williams from Washington State. Yeah, so um, going into this, the Washington State matchup a little bit more, just because I, you know, I don't expect the Idaho game to be that close of a game. Idaho is really struggling this year. They only have one win. So I do expect the Jacks to go into that game and kind of roll. Um, but it is a road game. So, you know, 
you never know in that scenario. And the Jacks haven't played a ton of, you know, road games this year, other than Alabama and Stephen F. Austin about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, there's not a ton to dive into in that Idaho matchup. And we already kind of talked about, you know, how they've matched up with, with NDSU. So getting back to the Washington State matchup, um, you know, I think this is, like you said, another chance to beat a Power 5 team. And uh, it's a definitely a winnable game. Uh, Washington State's really good on the defensive end. I think they're 25th in the country in um, defensive field goal percentage and then 44th in defensive efficiency. So they're, they're really good um, on the defensive end. And they're, you know, they're shot blockers. It uh, looks like they don't really necessarily um, force you to turn the ball over a ton, but just super solid on the defensive end. You know, they're not going to give up old boards. They're going to be protecting the rim. And uh, like you said, that, that Noah Williams, their leading scorer, uh, he kind of dominates the possessions for them. And he's that 6'5", wing-type, bigger guard player that has given, you know, the Jacks a little bit of trouble in the past guarding. So it'll be a real test to see how the Jacks defend that. You know, do they go easily? Do they go Arians, Baylor? Um, and it's just a, a, a good test to see where they're at against this higher-caliber opponent. And then on the front line, like you said, with the size, they do, I believe, start – um, or at least their most frequent lineup uh, has a 6'11 freshman and a 6'10 sophomore. They're only 2'10, 225, those two. So, you know, they're, they're not, I think they're kind of younger, kind of lankier guys, uh, but they do have the ability to block shots. And hopefully, you know, the Jacks can still get going at the rim and don't, you know, get scared to take the ball inside against, you know, those two pretty yep. tall guys. No, yeah, it'll be interesting because I think when SDSU plays their best, they dictate the matchups. Um, and when they kind of struggle is when the matchups get dictated to them. Um, so it'll be interesting if they try to go, you know, hey, Washington State's throwing these two 6'10", 6'11 guys. Do we throw Noah out there? Or not Noah, excuse me. Do we throw Charlie out there, uh, take Matt or Doug off the court and go with the four guards and kind of run on them? Or same thing with like Zeke Mayo, have him kind of come in, just go four guards and a, one big man and say like, now you have to guard us? Or you know, is that size going to be a problem? Because, you know, if if they're going to stick with those two guys on the court and SDSU's offense isn't, uh, you know, causing them any issues, they're going to – no offense to, like, Baylor or anybody else playing the four uh, in those kind of lineups, but I don't really expect us to have a good, you know, a good showing if, you know, our 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guards are guarding 6'10", six, 6'11", six, guys. So, um, you know, if we get out and run, those are probably guys that, you know, probably can't be on the court at the same time together. But if they turn it into a half-court offense, uh, offensive game, that'll be the issue for the S- the Jackrabbits is, um, you know, can their half-court offense be consistent? Can they not just, you know, settle for threes, not turn the ball over, not get frustrated? Because um, that's where we've seen them struggle is when they kind of have to settle into that, you know, half-court and they just start settling for threes that aren't dropping. Um, and free throws, obviously, kind of been a big part this year. But, um, yeah, I'm, int- I'm definitely intrigued to see how they match up with, you know, a little bit more size down low and, um, you know, how that affects them because you, you won't be facing that in the big – or in the Summit League. Uh, you won't have to deal with that uh, to efficient, you know, big men. Uh, but, you know, SDSU's bigs have gotten in some foul trouble this year. Uh, so, you know, a couple uh, big men like that get SDSU in foul trouble again. It could be a long night for the Jackrabbits, but – like I said, if the SCC, if they can get out and run, um, and, you know, force them to take somebody off the court, that obviously favors SDSU. So um, it'll be an in- intriguing matchup. It's a road game, so you really never know what's going to happen. But definitely a winnable game for SCSU if they bring their A game. I think that's a really good point you bring up, too, about kind of like the style of play and dictating the matchups versus, versus getting those dictated to you. I think the biggest thing in this one – a little bit more than the matchups, which, you know, is definitely key, but is the tempo and style of play of this game. So um, this year, the Jacks, um, I believe, are 19th in adjusted tempo in the country. So 19th fastest team in the country in the games they've played this far. Washington State, on the other hand, is 250th. (laughs) I think if the Jacks can dictate how fast this game is played, 
and come out fast and make Washington try and play catch up a little bit, um, they can have success against this team and kind of dictate those matchups. Um, because if, you know, Washington State's down, you're maybe not going to have the, both big men on the court because they're going to need to be, have some shooters to come back. Um, and so I think the, the tempo of this matchup and how early the Jackrabs can try and establish that tempo will be, you know, the key to this matchup against uh, Washington mm -hmm. State. And one other thing to note is I think – so it is a true road game. Uh, I just wanted to – it's not in Pullman, Washington, where Washington State is located. It's in Spokane, but it's only like 30 minutes away. So they, they are considering it a true away game. Do you know why it's not being played in Washington State? Or is it just because? Um, I'm I'm not sure. Unless unless the Jacks website is wrong, uh, it says it's being played in Spokane, um, Spokane Arena in Spokane, Washington, um, which is not where Washington State's located. So I don't know if there's other games going on that Saturday, and it's kind of like a classic or, or something like that, yeah. or if it's just a bigger matchup and they always play one game a year in Spokane um, and they don't want to play their comp, you know, a conference game there, mm -hmm. but no, I don't know for sure. So that'll be interesting to find out when the, when the broadcast rolls around. Well, that's yeah, definitely interesting. I, you know, I hope the games will be on like ESPN plus or whatever. You never, you never know what you're going to get with maybe it's pac 12 network or something you're going to get, which is never fun because it's impossible to find that network. It seems uh, or any way to watch it, but um, yeah, we'll definitely see. It'll, uh, I just checked on ESPN too. That's where they have it marked too. So, uh, very interesting uh, why they, you know, why it's not being played there, and maybe that favors SCSU a little bit since it's not, you know, at their actual home court. Uh, maybe a little few, you know, a few less fans will travel out to it and make it a little bit less rambunctious for them, so they won't have to worry about that as much. But uh, I guess you never really know. It's uh, <laughs> something I didn't factor into it when I was thinking about the matchups uh, that they weren't actually playing at. Washington State's home court. <laughs> and it is the arena um, back when uh, SDSU played Maryland in the opening round of the NCAA tournament um, like five or six years ago. It is that same arena that they lost Heartbreaker in, so maybe the Jacks can avenge that loss and get back at the arena uh, where they, they lost that close game. But No, for sure. I do see that it says it's listed as Pac-12 Network. Um, for anyone that doesn't have Pac-12 Network, I believe in the past you can get a five-minute free trial of the Pac-12 Network if you download the app. And then if you uh, delete the app, reinstall it, you get another free five-minute trial. So if you don't want to have to pay for the game, because uh, I don't know if you can pay for like just a, a day pass of Pac-12 Network, you can continually uh, download and delete the Pac-12 app. At least that's what you used to do, be able to do in the past. So download it on your phone, pull up a tablet, download it five minutes later, just so you have it all ready to go. So sounds like a good exactly. plan. It sounds like a plan for how to watch the game unless you find less uh, legal re ways to, you know, stream it. But um, we'll talk about that somewhere else. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, we can, uh, after that, we can kind of dive into the, uh, you know, the women's side of it. They had a little bit more action uh, this last week. Uh, obviously, a couple disappointing games. Uh, something you know they weren't really hoping for uh, coming out of the Gulf Classic, uh, playing UNI and playing Missouri State. Uh, came away both with two losses. You know, two really hard-fought games. Uh, I believe they leading UNI for most of the game, and UNI just kind of pulled away at the end, fifty-nine to fifty. Um, SCSU looks like you know they won uh, quarter two. They you know outscored them, had the lead going into third quarter. I know they. They had the lead after the third quarter as well. Then only could score nine points in the fourth. You know, lost by nine, giving up 21 points in the fourth. I think it's probably a little bit of uh, – I know the announcers kept saying in the game how, you know, UNI plays a, a really deep team, kind of like SCSU has done the last couple of years. You know, some injuries and some other things going on. They haven't – they probably shortened that bench up a little bit, so that's probably part of the reason. But uh, maybe some fatigue caught up there. I wasn't able to catch, you know, the last few minutes of the game. But, um, you know, they did – pull away and beat SCSU by nine. And uh, the other game, like I said, was Missouri State. Uh, that was up at Frost uh, on Monday night. SCSU lost 55 to 52, uh, you know, only scoring again 10 points in the fourth quarter, allowing 15. 
So obviously some fourth quarter offensive issues have kind of plagued SDSU in the last couple of games. I guess at this point, I think we kind of talked about this pre-recording, uh, probably looking at not really a great chance as an at-large bid at this point. Uh, but, you know, do you have the panic button out in front of you now? Is it something where you're still kind of waiting on Maya to come back? Officially, you know, with the shoulder injury, we don't know how long she'll be out. Is there a panic button out for you right now, or what's kind of your feeling around the, you know, the girls' side right now? I think it is out a little bit. Um, you know, they're going through a stretch that we haven't necessarily seen from a Jackrabbit women's team in quite a while where they're, they're really just struggling to score the ball consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think team chemistry-wise, defensively, you know, their, their scheme on the defensive end, they've executed that really well. You know, like they only allowed Missouri State to score 55 points. I think Northern Iowa only scored 59 um, you know, one of the other games that they lost close this year, the, the other team didn't score very many points. So I think defensively they're, they're doing what they need to do. Um, you know, if you, anytime you hold a team under 60 points, you generally kind of expect to win that game. And, you know, that's generally where the, the South Dakota state women have, have really excelled is on the offensive end, um, as well as the defensive end, but you know, they, they haven't gone through a shooting slump and kind of stretch like they are right now mm-hmm. and so I, I do think the, the panic button is out a little bit because it's kind of gotten to be a little bit of a consistent thing that we've seen this season and it's not just a one or two game stretch obviously Maya coming back will definitely help that she's a game-changing player you know a, a program-changing player for that matter mm-hmm. so I think she's she's definitely going to help that but you know, it might take her a while to kind of ease back into things and she hasn't played basketball in a while and she's got two injuries kind of that she's coming back from at this point. So um, it's not, she's, she's not just a fix all remedy. You, you know, you don't expect her to be back and just everything's magically better and the shots are going in. So I do think panic button is out a little bit. No, for sure. And, you know, just looking at the Missouri state game, um, you know, we've kind of raved in the past about how deep the team is how they have scoring kind of at, you know, every level on the bench. Uh, and this Missouri State game, just very little, if n- almost none, uh, in terms of production from the bench, unless, you know, those stats don't always convert over right to ESPN all the time. Uh, but according to ESPN, you know, uh, Macy Byam was the only one to score off the bench. She had two points. Uh, the rest of the bench, you know, had four other players come off. And none of them shot more than twice. Um you know, that's kind of one of the strong points we've talked about. And maybe, you know, if, you know, Maya comes back and, uh, you know, Tyson goes back to the bench, she's maybe more of a consistent threat off the bench then for him. But, um, you know, between the seniors um, and, you know, the bench production this year just doesn't seem like it's been clicking for whatever reason. I don't know if it's one of those things where you, the team's been together for so long now. It's the chemistry, like, it's there, but they're just not, you know, clicking together anymore. Or, because, I mean, at this point, you, you don't expect to have Lindsay. You don't expect to have Tylee and uh, Peyton or even Maya for that case. Um, they should all be, obviously be, you know, graduated. Uh, so maybe there's just something with, you know, everyone's been together for so long. It's something along those lines. But, man, it's just hard to imagine, like, a team that we've seen in the past where they've been, you know, scoring at every level. Um, everyone on the bench comes in and gets, you know, good minutes and they, you know, are productive on offense. I just don't know what's happening this year that's causing that to not be the case anymore. Because, you know, if you are getting two to four points on the bench from each, from a lot of the players, you're winning a lot more of these games. But for whatever reason, um, you know, they're not getting that productivity uh, consistently off the bench. And I think that's, you know, also a big factor in what's kind of going on with these uh, games. Definitely. I think the bench productivity is, you know, a big reason that they haven't been able to, you know, score some of these games. And it's, it's a needed piece, you know, when you have injuries and you have to have people step up, you know, two points, I think is what they had off the bench. Like you said, in the the Missouri state game, that's just not going to cut it. I think another big thing that's happened in both the Missouri state and Northern Iowa game though, is the turnovers. So against Missouri state SDSU had 25 turnovers, which ended up resulting in Missouri getting, I think like 19 more shots up 
than SDSU because uh, they only had seven turnovers. And, you know, when the other team has 19 more shots and you only lose by three, it's a little bit encouraging from the fact that you limit a few turnovers and you should win this game easy, but also very frustrating from that very same point of, you know, you, you have a lot of self-inflicted wounds there where if you just clean that up, you probably win this game. Uh, and then the Northern Iowa game, a little bit of the same thing. I think they had 18 turnovers in that game. So turnovers have been a big thing. And then I think if you think back to last year, you know, Maya got hurt at the very end of the year. That first round matchup in the Summit League tournament, SDSU lost to Omaha and only scored 40 points. And then when they went and played Syracuse in the um, NCAA tournament, I think they only scored like 50 some or maybe even like 48. So, you know, especially with the non-conference schedule that the Jacks have scheduled themselves, they, they're playing a lot of bigger, more athletic, stronger opponents than what they're going to see in the Summit League. And when they don't have Maya and, you know, that consistent scoring and their bench production hasn't been there and it's hard to get shots at the rim against these longer athletic teams, they've, they've just really struggled. And, you know, it's not even – the, the shooting, but just all of the offense, you know, it's kind of been muddy out of rhythm and hasn't looked, looked as good uh, for, you know, this last little stretch. And another uh, thing you were you, um, kind of along those lines too, is uh, in that Missouri state game specifically, they got 15 offensive rebounds, Missouri state. So, you know, usually a lot with, you know, offensive rebounds, you kind of expect those to be, you know, potential putbacks. Um, so, you know, you eliminate either half the turnovers, half the rebounds you give up like that. You probably win that game. Um, and they only had seven offensive rebounds on their own. I actually won the rebounding battle. Uh, um, I believe it was 34 to 31. Uh, but they had 27 defensive rebounds uh, to 16 for, uh, you know, Missouri State. Uh, but that, that's a little skewed when they yeah, get 19 yeah. more shots. So Exactly. So. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it depends on how you look at that. And then 15 offensive rebounds for them. They got more shots, so maybe that's why they doubled it. But, you know, you eliminate some of those offensive rebounds. You, you know, you eliminate those turnovers. You probably win more games. You probably win this game. Um, but also, you know, they had at one point their largest lead was six. Missouri State's largest was seven. So they were able to fight back when they got down a little bit, which we haven't seen from them a lot all the time. Uh, but – you know, defensively, they've been locked in since that, you know, like we said earlier, that UCLA game. It's just offensively just been so inconsistent without Maya. Uh, and you, you expect inconsistent defense when you're like, your, you know, offense is being run by a freshman uh, and Paige Meyer, who has been, you know, obviously looking really good this year. But obviously there's some up and downs when, you know, you're going uh, behind a freshman like that. So, uh, you know, struggles aren't, uh, you know, the worst thing. Uh, they can get they can obviously still like the tournament. It's going to be a little bit harder now. Um, you know, really realistically, if they want an at-large bid, uh, the only way to probably do it is go undefeated, and then you can't lose again until the championship game. But then you're still kind of on the outside probably looking in, unless there's a lot of other, you know, bad losses for other teams. Uh, obviously, USD, their non-conference has been like the toughest in the country. So they have a few more losses than they're used to, so that kind of hurts, you know, the – uh, quality wins uh, potentially down the road. But I think the biggest thing with the team, uh, you know, like turnovers and getting healthy. Obviously, you get Maya back. They're still probably considered one of the tough, the best two teams in the conference. You know, without Maya, maybe they fall back to the pack a little bit more. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I still think when it comes down to it, once they get to conference play, they're going to be all right. You know, the, the, the quality of their non-conference schedule is – you know, very top notch. They played a lot of tough teams and it's just not the same type of teams that they're going to see in the summit league. I think, you know, if they continue to play the way they are, you probably do see a few slip ups um, in the conference schedule. Um, but if they can get those things corrected, like the turnovers and giving up the offensive rebounds and, you know, getting their shooting strokes down a little bit more, I still think it's a two, you know, it's a two team race in the summit league. You still have a great opportunity to win the league, go to the NCAA tournament where you're getting hot at the right time. Cause obviously this is not their best basketball right now. 
mm-hmm. and you know hopefully have a few upsets and, and that's a long ways down the road they got to focus on the now uh, correct what they can correct get healthy but you know if, if you're trying to look at that glass half full portion uh, of this is that it's early in the season in the grand scheme of things and um the summit league schedule is gonna you know get a lot easier for them mm-hmm. no for sure and um you know before we get to that non or before we get to conference schedules um you know they do have their last big test of the non-conference kansas state kansas state seven and two uh you know really solid opponent coming to frost uh so that'll be a really interesting game to watch um i guess you know the way things are shaking out you probably don't you know probably see a whole lot of you know uh, you don't see you don't see a huge chance for SCSU to win it, but you know it is at home. You get their shooting right, play the same solid defense. They did just beat the number 19 team in the country. You never know. Uh, but I guess what's your kind of thoughts going into that Kansas State game? Yeah, you know it's a it's a good test. Uh, I believe they played Kansas State last year um, mm-hmm. and down in Manhattan and lost uh, this Kansas State game. Their their most recent game they actually were down in Manhattan and played NDSU. They won that game by, I think, 21. Uh, their their main scorer or kind of best player, Lee, or Ioka Lee, um, had 22 points for them. I believe she is their center. I'm mm-hmm. just looking up right now how tall she is. Yeah, she's 6'6". Uh, yep. And she definitely gave the Jacks problems last year. So if they can limit her inside and – play the style of defense they have been playing up to this point most recently, you know, I think there's a shot if they can find some of that frost magic, uh, have the crowd be loud and, you know, hit some shots that they haven't been hitting, limit the turnovers. You know, it's, it's not a unwinnable game, but you know, they got to definitely play better than they have been. Yep. You got to kind of play that perfect game. Uh, something, you know, we've seen them do in the past, uh, this year, even against, you know, UCLA, um, yeah, you just got to get shots to fall. That's the big thing for them right now is three-pointers aren't falling. They're just not consistent on offense. Uh, got to do that. Got to limit the turnovers and um, just keep playing the good defense they've been playing. You know, defense always travels. So just keep, you know, as long as they keep that up, shots are going to start falling. You're going to start getting turnovers. They'll lead to, you know, maybe that quick outlet and go type offense that AJ wants to run with them this year. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, I think a big part of their game is going to be you know, they need to get out in that transition and run, uh, especially going against the six six center. If you're not shooting well, best way to get around that is, you know, get down the court and run. Payton's going to have her hands full. Uh, you see six six. Um, there's really no one on SDSU's team that matches up with that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. But, um, you know, do you draw her outside a little bit with Peyton? And if Peyton's shooting well, does she have to follow a little bit more? Uh, you know, maybe K-State plays a little bit more of a zone so they don't have to, you know, chase players to the three-point line. But I think a big thing is you got to get her out of the lane. If she doesn't leave the lane, you got to get her in foul trouble. Um, and then, you know, just keep attacking the rim because that's where, you know, SCSU I think is at their best when they're not afraid to drive and, you know, go for go for shots. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you'll run into a little bit of that fear when the center is six foot six uh, waiting for you to, you know, do a layup and she can block it. And I think it's a good test for Callie Tyson too, but she'll probably be matched up with her on defense to start. And, you know, Callie's been blocking quite a few shots this year, been playing some pretty good interior defense, but she just can't get in foul trouble herself and, you know, mm-hmm. get intimidated when you have 6'6 posting up against you. But all in all, it'll be, you know, a good test. It's, you know, if they do find a way to win this game, that can kind of be a season turnaround point. You know, you get a big win at home heading into the conference season, you know, so I would have to imagine they're about as up as they can be or they should be for this game. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because if you do get a win here, you know, that could really catapult you kind of into a different uh, path for the rest of the season. No, for sure. Um, And yeah, that's, you know, that's going to be a big part of it. Can they, you know, get up, can they get, you know, go out and play a solid four quarter game? Uh, not fall, you know, fall short in the fourth quarter like we've seen the last, you know, a couple games where they maybe have been playing really well for three and quarter four rolls around and the other team just ready to go and finishes it off. So, you know, put together four 
solid game or four solid quarters here and see if they can pull out with a W and uh, go into the, you know, the DWU game with some confidence and then roll right into conference play and see what happens. No, that, that sounds like the perfect recipe. Let's see if uh, they listen to us, Jacob. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? Yeah, could easily coach, right? Uh, wouldn't be hard. <laughs> but uh, perfect. And that's really all we got for this week uh, on reviews and previews for the SDSU men and women's teams. So with that being said, we're going to jump right now into the, our interview with Jake Biddle. Today we welcome on former South Dakota State University men's basketball player, four times letter winner, and two-time Summit League champion, Jake Biddle. Jake, how's it going? It's going well, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, for sure. It's always a good chance to chat with, uh, you know, some former Jackrabbits. They always have a lot of good stories to provide. And I guess the first question we ask a lot of our guests is, you know, uh, how did you even end up getting to South Dakota State, you know, from Oklahoma? It's kind of a long ways, especially back then when we were, you know, pretty heavy recruiting in the Midwest and didn't get down to Oklahoma as much. So you just want to kind of tell us how you got to South Dakota State. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, start, it started with old uh, Coach Coach Clink. He, uh, I believe he saw me play in St. Louis my – I want to say it was my sophomore summer. Um, continued to recruit me through my sophomore year, and then um, they were. He, he was actually the first person to actually offer me. It was my first official offer, and I remember when they first offered me. And I, really, when we first started talking, I was just like, "What? I, don't, I couldn't even tell you where South Dakota's at. I, mean, I don't even know where it's at on the map, man." You know. And so, in, in the back of my <laughs> mind, I'm like, there, "There's no way I'm going there. I'm not. I'm not going to South Dakota State. It ain't happening." You know, but. Uh, me, me and Coach Kling had a great connection um, just right off the bat, and that just kind of continued into my junior season. And then I believe um, that's when they offered me was my junior summer. Um, but so then I played my whole junior year of high school ball, um, just kind of weighing out different options. And I think my family, um, especially my grandpa, kind of had an idea like, hey, this, this might be a place where I need to go, right? Um, and so he, he really convinced me after my – um, I guess it'd be their, the first NCAA tournament they had. He convinced me to go to that game down in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was like, let's do it. So we go down there and I think just seeing that atmosphere and then obviously knowing that like Nate, Nate was going to come back and they're going to be reloaded that next year. It was just, it was just really appealing, man. I was like, man, this, I'm going to be able to get back to the same position maybe next year. And um, I remember when we got home from that trip and I called coach Nagy and I, I remember clears day I we pulled into the driveway and I said coach I uh I want to commit <laughs> and he uh he paused for a second and he goes are, are you sure <laughs> and I was like yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah 100 <laughs> percent and so that, that was kind of it um but yeah just that kind of back and forth for a couple years and obviously kind of researching the program and, and obviously like I said those those veteran guys you know Nate and those guys coming back I knew I wanted to be a part of something great yeah, for sure. You know, pretty awesome story on how you got here. And, you know, you mentioned Coach Clink was a big influence on, um, you know, why you ended up at South Dakota State. And he's kind of the only guy from when you were there that's still around the program. Um, mm -hmm. And so I guess why do you think uh, Clink has been there so long and what makes him so great? And why has he been able to contribute to the you know success of the program for as long as he has? Well, I mean, he's he's on. I mean, I feel like he's like the mayor of Brookings at this point. Right. I mean, he's he's been there. He's well known. <laughs> he's well known. He's well liked. Um, he just has a good ability, like a, a great ability just to connect with people. You know, I, like my family, we still love him. I, I still talk to him, man. I still talk to him every few months. We catch up. We talk. Um, he asks how I'm doing. Just he's just super involved. And I think, you know, he, at the at the root of it all, he just he deeply cares man he deeply cares about people and I think he he bleeds that yellow and blue man he bleeds it and I think that just kind of rubs off on other people when he's recruiting um and I think a, he's a big reason why I think that success has continued over the years no for sure and um another guy you kind of mentioned there was uh Nate Walters uh, kind of, uh Nate Walters yeah exactly <laughs> oh yeah yeah I remember him yeah yeah um, but uh, I guess, you know, when you were there, there's obviously, you know, SDSU has kind of a kind of a good tradition now with uh, great guard play. Obviously, Dom in the middle there with the, 
being, you know, one of the best, best forwards. Um, but between the eras of, you know, Nate uh, and Braden, and then going into George and DeAndre, what kind of similarities did you see between both those kind of backcourts? And um, were they kind of similar? Were they unique? Um, were they kind of different on how they played? Or what was kind of some, you know, differences you saw between those two backcourts? That's a, that's a really great question. Um, I think it really just started um, as far as like the, the solid guard play with um, you could even go back to like Clint Sargent and those guys. And I'm sure there's even some before that, but that, that's really kind of where I saw it, where the, um, where, where it kind of changed, the culture kind of shifted. And I think that just trickled down every, every, every new group that we brought in that culture just trickled down to each and every person. Um, and I think a lot of it was like the toughness, you know, I think, um, I know with Dre and uh, George's background, they, um, you know, they kind of come from, you know, some, some rough upbringing. So they, they, uh, they were tough guys, man. And I actually, I roomed with both of them for two years. So those are my brothers. And I, I think that's, that's the thing is like the tenacity of, of all the guards that have kind of come through there. There's, there is no softness at all. You know, there's no, there's no finesse. There's, I feel like all those guys they recruit now. Um, and I think it's just kind of been embedded in the program now that you got to be tough. You got to be tough to play at South Dakota state. You gotta, you know, you gotta be willing to guard. Um, and I think that's, those are, t those are, I think come some of the big similarities just defensively. I think both of those, you know, you look at Braden, um, you look at Nate, um, and then, you know, those, those guys were always guarding the other team's best player while still, you know, um, getting their points on the offensive end. I think, uh, yeah, I think I think just being defensively tough and just um, tough mentally is kind of, I would say that kind of um, resembles each other in those those two different uh, generations of guards. Yeah, I mean for sure, it's um, you know the, the great guard play has continued, and that kind of goes into my next question. So throughout your time at South Dakota State, you kind of came in a little bit as a point guard, and then you shifted to shooting guard and. Throughout yeah. your career, you even, you know, played wing and the four. And we see that with a couple of the guys on the team now. I don't know, you know, how much you continue to watch the Jacks, but like Alex Arians and Baylor. Um, is that something you embraced, the kind of versatility you brought? Or was it tough at times, you know, constantly being asked to do different things? And just kind of talk about that a little bit. No, yeah. So I actually, yeah, I, I came in as a point guard. I mean, I played point guard all throughout high school and um, – it was really after my freshman year, we had those talks with Coach Nagy and, and the coaching staff that I think I might be better suited at, at a three position. And I'm actually so fortunate and glad that they did because I think that's more of my natural role, kind of off the ball, um, not being so ball heavy. So I think it really um, worked out as far as just the type of player that I was. So, yeah, I, I really embraced that. I, uh, like I said, I, I really felt like I benefited, you know, getting, you know, getting the ball in transition and, Obviously, playing off the ball, um, felt like it was like I said, better better suited for my abilities. Gotcha. Um, I think we'd go. Uh, you know, we have to kind of ask about this, but that uh, one year in Sioux Falls when you guys were playing kind of got labeled as the Cardiac Jacks. Um, <laughs> I guess what was in the locker room? How was that? You know, every game where everything was you know coming down to the wire. There's all those big comebacks, and then even the I believe it was Denver uh, where the, you know they're going down to shoot a couple. This of you know, game winning free throws or that one and one and best yep. free shooter in the country, you know, percentage wise. Oh, what was, what was the men mentality in the locker room? Those, you know, specifically that tournament and uh, kind of getting through it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th those games were so weird looking back on. Um, Cause I, I just remember being in it and I guess not really realizing just how, how really crazy a lot of those situations were until hindsight, you know, um, I think we just we just kind of stuck together. And I think just being, you know, even at like halftime, like we're, we're fine. You know, no, nobody really wavered. We all just kind of stuck to the game plan and, you know, just kept working. Even when some of those plays didn't go our way, just just kept working. And, and like I said, stuck, stuck to the plan. And I think a lot of it, was, you know, um, <laughs> we were fortunate in a lot of those a lot of those situations. I st yeah. Just thinking back to that free throw, I remember sitting on the line while, like this. This is it. This is how we're going to end it right here. <laughs> and yep. sure enough, clank right off the front of the the rim. So, I mean, a lot of just very fortunate scenarios. But 
I think with all of us, none of us, none of us, you know, like I said, none of us wavered. None of us, not, in the back of our mind, none of us thought we were going to lose at any point in time in those games. Oh, for sure. And I guess that's kind of one of those most, one of my more memorable games as a student was kind of that one and seeing that, you know, free throw rim off. Was there a favorite game that you have, a most memorable game you had from uh, your time at SCSU? Oh, man, that's a great question. There's a, there's a couple, man. Um, let's see. I would have to say – can I give you a couple? Is that okay? That's fine by me. Perfect. <laughs> um, looking back, I'd probably have to say uh, my senior year coming off of knee injury, we played at um, South Dakota, and I just remember I was just so hungry to get back. Like, I was just itching to get back on the court. Um, and I just remember that, that game kind of came down to the wire, but – I, I felt like that was just one of my better games my senior year. And I think it was actually Nagy's maybe 400th win. I, I believe maybe um, my, my need to fact check that one, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember that. I just loved those rivalry games, man. Just the environment was just so much fun to be in the, you know, you could hit, hardly hear yourself think sometimes, but so that, that was always nice winning there. And then I'd have to say my, uh, my junior year, um, yeah, with uh, when we played against Colorado State, um, I guess that would that would have been our <clears throat> South Dakota State's first postseason win. I think that was uh, that game was just a battle, man. I remember just all of us guys just could hardly walk after that game, man. Just a lot of physicality, and um, you know, I I just felt like we played really well as a team that game, and I, that that's a special one. Like I said, just kind of you know be, being the team to kind of you know have that where we, you know, won the first postseason game in South Dakota State history. So um, I'll say I'll say those two kind of stick out for the most part. Yeah, definitely. And I think the Minnesota game, uh, your senior year, that was a, a good one, fun one. I know us managers road tripped up for that. And you guys, you specifically had a really good game there. Um, but yeah, all yep. those games, yeah. pretty awesome. Um, last question here. Um, you know, over the course of your whole SDSU career, you guys – as a team, only lost three home games. Um, and we've seen that kind of tradition of not losing in Frost continue. Uh, what makes Frost so special? Why is it so hard to play? Why do you love it? Um, kind of just go off that. I mean, I think a lot of it is the fans, man. I, I feel like we have literally like some of the most dedicated um, fans in the nation, man. Um, and it's cold. <laughs> it's cold too, man. No <laughs> Nobody wants to come up here when it's, you know, negative, whatever out, you know. Um, but I think I think those those two things kind of go hand in hand. And um, we just always wanted to perform for the fans, man. I think that that's kind of – we took pride in that and uh, wanted to give them a good show and, and play to the best of our ability. So um, I think the hats off to the fans on that one is really what it comes down to. No, for sure. Uh, being both kind of on the floor for some of those and then in the stands now. Uh, it's definitely a great place. And Jake, uh, thanks for popping on. Uh, this was awesome to get to catch up and uh, really just appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Hopefully uh, you guys can use some of that. <laughs> and thanks again for Jake Biddle for joining us this week. Um, and we're going to wrap things up here with, you know, some a little bit of uh, around the summit uh, news. And really the only big thing worth noting, uh, you know, going into this final stretch of non-conference play is uh, the Summit League finally named a commissioner to the league. It is uh, Josh Fenton, who I believe is coming from the NCHC conference, uh, predominantly uh, a hockey conference that contains UND, Denver, and um, a couple other schools from around these parts. So I guess, Cody, what kind of significance is bringing in a, you know, a new commissioner at, you know, looks like they're coming on later in the year, but uh, what what kind of significance does this bring and um, any other insight to it? Yeah, I think uh, it seems to be a good move for the conference. Uh, you know, this guy was, like you said, in a conference of the NCHC, which is a, you know, pretty predominant hockey conference at the Division One level. Like you said, it has a lot of familiar schools that are also in the Summit League. So UND, Omaha, Denver. It also has like UMD and a lot of schools in the area, um, but it's a premier hockey conference. And so hopefully, you know, when you bring in someone that has uh, that background where they've been in a conference and led a conference at, you know, kind of the premier level, I think you, you're hoping 
that uh, the new person coming in can elevate the Summit League, uh, obviously probably not to the premier level, um, but definitely get it to a high-end mid-major rather than just kind of a mid-major where it's at right now. No, for sure. And, you know, when you bring in a new commissioner, there's obviously a lot they take on that you don't, obviously, with other sports, not just basketball. But it'll be interesting to see how he handles, you know, if they get like a new TV contract where they can kind of base things off like Missouri Valley does for football, where every game at least gets on air, whether it's a student broadcast or not. But, um, you know, a lot of things, it'll be interesting to see how it gets handled and including, you know, the Summit League tournament, whether or not they do the all teams make it, that will be kind of his first big decision probably in regards to basketball, uh, how they want to handle the tournament in Sioux Falls. Um, But yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to watch. I know he's not officially taking over right now. I believe it's down the road. He's kind of taking over, probably giving his conference some uh, time to find somebody new, uh, not leaving them high and dry. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, once he steps in, what kind of impact he has to make right away, because that will be, you know, a big decision with the conference tournament. Uh, It will probably have to be made pretty quickly. But um, yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how he handles a conference that, you know, the biggest thing is basketball and, you know, it's a non-football conference and, you know, he's coming from a hockey conference. So it'll be interesting to see how all that kind of gets uh, handled, uh, you know, internally with the Summit League. Definitely. Um, and only time is really going to tell, uh, you know, it's even going to be a bit before he joins fully on board with the Summit League. And then, you know, it's, it's a little hard to tell when those uh, decisions about like the Summit League basketball tournament and TV contracts, when those will actually take place. You know, I'm guessing they'll probably have some committees that get put together and they'll have to uh, decide those things, but it's a uh, good to have, you know, someone there provide some stability once they, they start and um, seems at the moment to be an adequate replacement to kind of continue to elevate the summit league. No, for sure. And um, yeah, there's really not much I have left to add to that, I guess. Um, so we're, we can end this week's episode. Uh, thanks again to Jake Biddle for joining us. Uh, if you guys have any other, you know, interviews you want us, anybody else you're interested in, let us know. Um, we'll be back next week at our regularly scheduled time on Wednesday. Uh, but until then, remember, subscribe, like it, leave a comment, uh, wherever you do listen, and we will be back next week. Mm-hmm.